What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. I am your co-host, Tom Bilyeu. I'm here with Lisa, who I always call Elizabeth in the beginning, by the you way. Did. I was thinking about this because it's so weird for me to call you by your normal name, so I grasp for anything that's different. Well, here's the thing. You don't even call me Lisa. That's what I mean. Oh. So I go for Elizabeth because oh. it's like Lisa feels weird, but Elizabeth doesn't because <laughs> I don't ever call you that except for this. So even Elizabeth feels like a nickname, which makes it feel better. So that was a lot <laughs> from the beginning of this episode. Uh, let's dive right in, shall we? All right. What's up, guys? Um, thank you for everybody for reaching out and letting us know how last week's episode actually resonated with you. Got a lot of feedback, a lot of comments. Um, really appreciate that, guys. And if you um, haven't already listened to it. Yeah, you should go check it out. It yeah, was make more... sure you subscribe to that, uh, that feed there on your podcast app of choice. That helps a lot, and I'll hit you up with that again at the end. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It was almost like a therapy session, and a lot yes. of people, um, yeah, were really um, touched by it, and they learned a lot from how we just talk to each other. So um, I guess let's try and do more of that. Sounds good. Um, but guys, it was one you, of my favorite episodes. Yeah, what's your favorite episode actually? Um, and guys, if you do have any questions and you want to say anonymous, obviously um, more than happy to keep your name out of it. But you can submit questions to connect at impacttheory.com. And now let's get started. Let's do it. All right, question, anonymous. Hi, Tom and Lisa. I'm going through an amicable divorce with my spouse and I'm pretty devastated. Um, but I've had a ton of realizations while working through my role in the end of our relationship. Over the course of our relationship, I became spouse-centered and dependent on her for my emotional health. I felt stuck in my line of thinking and never had the courage to bring up issues that grew over time. Since then, I've really started working on myself. I'm reading as many mindset books as possible, starting talking uh, talk therapy for the first time, and I'm trying anything that could possibly help me get through the emotional pain and or make me a better person. It feels like I'm really changing and putting in the work that I just couldn't get myself to do before. I guess I'm really looking for validation that I'm doing the right work to get myself to a place where I can continue growing and advice on what else I could do that can help either one of, uh, that has helped either one of you. Thanks. Well, let me heap validation um, on this person. They seem awash in self-awareness and a desire to get better, which is really incredible. There was something so rad about the tenor of that question uh, that I really resonate with. So yes, it very much sounds like they are in the right lane, that they're pursuing the right thing, that they've got a good attitude. They're acknowledging the grief and the pain that they're going through. They're trying to do something to deal with it. They're looking at what they did wrong. They're calling it an amicable divorce, but yet acknowledging that it's, you know, really um, devastating for them to go through. It's just like really, really the frame of reference from which they're approaching this, like ticks all of my um, boxes, like really, really powerful. Um, what they can do to continue to improve is one, really looking at where the breakdown of the relationship happened. That's super strong. But then what are the tactics like really specifically, tactically, what are you gonna to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again in your relationship? So when I was looking at all the mistakes that I had made at the culture um, at Quest, it was like, okay, well, I don't wanna make those mistakes again, but it's not enough to want it. I have to have tactics to pursue it. Mm -hmm. And so principles has become our, our like litany of tactics, but it's so like, do this, don't do this, have this meeting, say these things. Like it's so specific. And I know that people don't like that in their love and their romance, but the reality is that 
to have a high functioning relationship, you have to have super practical things like in our relationship, um, what used to be called date night now is just, you know, being protective of our time together on the weekends and stuff. Um, and even just the holiday that we went on, um, that we just got back from, like really doing my best not to work. And I've never worked that little, um, because I feel like I've never worked that much during my on times. So I thought, okay, well, to, to really be true to the fact that my relationship is the most important thing in my life and to um, get just that amazing hit that I get from spending time with you, like I'm really going to go all in. So, you know, those are tactical things that have a predictable and wonderful outcome. And so, and then also our thing about not lying, like even if it would be so convenient um, to not do it. So that I think is super powerful. Like when you have those rules and those tactics and things like that's so powerful. And that will see people through times like this where it's like, okay, I really don't want to repeat that kind of heartache and heartbreak. Um, the only other thing that I will say, and I, I have no doubt you'll have something magically delicious, um, is to, to fully go through this and process that and, and everything. But when you're ready to reopen yourself to that potential heartbreak again because mm. it's the only way you'll ever have a beautiful relationship in the future because if he guards himself and becomes closed off um, then the the beauty which only is possible in vulnerability will never happen yeah it's a very good point um do you have any thoughts or any stories in your mind because um of what of um so any time that you felt like you were a little too dependent on me um, never like a big thing. I've been really cognizant of, okay, so I want to be in a codependent relationship, meaning that I want to completely, um, revolve around you. So, okay, well, what's the danger? Because even just saying those words out loud, it's so apparent how dangerous that is. So it was like, okay, well, I want that to be true, but I want to remember that I'm my own planet. So I may have an orbit, mm. but I'm still me. So, okay, if she's the center of my universe, which is always like even saying those words to me, like when I write them in a card or whatever, like that feels so awesome to me to say that you're the center of my universe. I love that in a way that I can't explain to you. Mm. So like that makes me feel, even now I'm getting emotional, just saying that and thinking about it. So I'm really getting emotional. So even just having that to me is like, it's super powerful. So that's something that like I never wanted to see as a bad thing, but I knew that it was dangerous. So like, okay, how do I make sure that like, this is really still me, that I still spend time on me, that I'm still doing things that are selfish, that I carve out time to, um, even if it's not something that you enjoy, that I still make time for that. Um, that was all super important. And so being able to say in my head, like, this is simultaneously really beautiful and really scary. And so scary, not from I'm scared, scary from the, it's just too obvious to look at humanity and to know that humans then fall into the like two galaxies, which this really happens. Galaxies will revolve around each other for obviously billions of years, but ultimately collapse into each other and they like die into some gigantic supernova. So it's like, that's real. That is what happens. So you have to be like super cognizant not to let that, the, the orbit become a death spiral. Mm. 
And so the ways to do that for me were always very little moments. It was never like, oh my God, I'm getting sucked in too close. It was knowing that my code said it is very okay to take care of myself. It is very okay when I need time to be selfish, to take selfish time, that it was little things like always being honest with you. I'm always going to find other people attractive. I'm just not going to do anything because I'm committed to you. And that commitment to me is valuable. But like not having to bullshit about stuff like that was always super, super empowering. So yeah, it's, I, I could literally keep going, but there's a thousand little moments like that that I built into my code about how to talk to you, how to think of myself, what my code is, what's okay, what's not okay. Um, and that is how I've managed to stay in orbit without mm. collapsing mm. down into like a one being that can't think or exist without the other person. And then one more specific thing, when we would get in a fight, and this is when um, or maybe even it's more nuanced, but I think people will understand this. If you're angry or, or upset and I would find myself being drawn into the negativity and reminding myself, yeah, this is the bad part about living a, an intermingled life, which is maybe a less charged word than codependent. So I need to... Is letting someone else's, um, your partner's uh, feeling and emotion seep into how you feel. To not, right? To not, To yeah. say like... I get it. I fully understand mm -hmm. that you're upset about this and I want to be here for you, but I'm not going to lose my good mood um, because it's not going to help you. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was how I rationalized it was, well, it doesn't help her if I also get equally upset, down, pissed off, whatever the negative emotion was, far better for me to stay in a good place, be respectful, not be like, hey, what the fuck's wrong with you? But like, stay in a positive place so that when you were ready that I could extend the hand and help you back to my place rather than us both, which we have for sure done a hundred times. But whenever possible to avoid that thing where you both tumble into the darkness, to being upset, to being down, whatever, because then you have to like claw your way out, like with no one up there to lift you back up. Mm. Um, so times like that, I've always been very cognizant of, and it's because I can feel my state shift where I go from in a great positive place to something negative. But then I've also used it on the reverse where I'm like, I'm in a dark space and you're in a rad space. Let's say that you, this actually happens a lot because I wake up really slowly and whatever like neurochemistry morning people have, I don't fucking have it. So like mornings to me physically are just, they don't feel good. And it takes me a while to wake up. So there are times where let's say you've woken up before me and you've gone to work out and you'll come in like pumping club music at like seven in the morning. And if I've just stumbled out of bed and I'm still like half asleep and you've already worked out, my first instinct to be like, can you please shut that shit off? But I don't let myself do that. I'm like, I know how much she loves her music. And so when you come in and you're dancing and shaking your booty and like, I'm just not there. I remind myself to go there, right. to let your energy infect me rather than me try to bring you down, mm. which is the only options, right? Like either I infect you with my energy or I let you infect me with your energy. And because the code, even though I'm not feeling it, the code is always better to be infected by positivity than to bring someone positive even to neutral. Love that. That's really, I like that infect, infecting analogy. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. that's, that's energy, man. 
One of the things that came to mind for me, because I've um, dealt with this a little differently. So let's take my health, not to kind of be that over the head, but it's just the biggest thing in my, my life right now that I've experienced that has really taught me a lot of lessons. And I remember when I would be in pain or something, you know, like nothing was working, I would get annoyed, frustrated and angry. Um, but I wouldn't want to let you know that I was in pain because I don't like to be vulnerable like that. And so I would just be mad and or pissed off. And so you'd be like, well, why are you annoyed? And why are you frustrated? What's wrong? I'd be like, nothing's wrong. And because I just didn't want to like let you know, I didn't want to be the person that's always talking about being sick. Of course, here I am talking about being sick. But um and I remember you being like, babe, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to let me know. Like, I'd rather you tell me when you're not feeling well so that I can be there for you instead of you try to be like this, um, you know, like uh, superhero. Like, I just want you to tell me. It's like, okay, well, it's not going to be easy for me to admit when I'm feeling weak, feeling vulnerable, but I let's give it a shot. So I started doing it. And the more I did, the more you were very sweet and you were helpful. And over time, I started relying on that. And I remember a time and because I got very comfortable, you showed me, hey, like this is positive, you know, actions. And so you were always very sweet. So I remember a time where we were shooting something. Oh, I had a photo shoot. That's right. And I had the team waiting for me on set with the cameras, had a photo photographer come in and I was in agony and I was on the floor. Like literally I couldn't even really breathe because I was in so much pain and I, I fell to the floor upstairs in our bedroom. And I remember like texting you and I said, I really need you. And I don't often do this either. But it's like, I need you. I need you right now. And you didn't text me back. And so I was like, um, I really need you. And I know you're not the type of person that if I say, oh, hey, I really need you, you're just going to ignore me. So I thought, okay, he's not seeing his phone. So I'll text him again because I literally was on the floor. And I remember thinking, I need you to come and give me the words I need to hear. Lisa, baby, you've got to get off the floor. You can do this. You're strong. And I was, I, re- I remember thinking this, I need you to come and tell me this. And I texted you again. And I was like, babe, I really need you. Silence. And I was like, shit, what if he doesn't look at his phone for an hour? I've got a whole team downstairs waiting for me to take these photos. So I was like, hang on, Lisa, remember who you are. Remember, you can do, you're literally, you know what you need him to tell you to get off the floor. So why the hell are you relying on him to tell you when you know that you've got it in yourself? So get your ass up off the floor, show everyone what you're made of, show yourself what you're made of. And also as much as you love him, you don't need him to do that for you. You can do it yourself. And I got up off the floor and then I went on the photo shoot. And then I think like an hour later, you were like, oh my God, I just saw this. I'm so sorry. But that was a massive reminder to me, going back to this question of like being dependent on someone else. I had slipped into dependency of that because I felt comfortable doing it, right? You were always there for me when I needed that. And here I was almost like my instinct was to reach out to you immediately instead of my instinct saying, okay, you can do this. So I think there's a really fine line, especially for me, of making sure that I'm vulnerable enough in front of you, showing you that I do need you, opening myself up to you. But also the other side of it is like, I don't need you to be strong. I don't need you to feel like I can get things done. I don't need you to be independent and be strong enough. So it's like these two competing notions of being, and I've spoken about this on my social before, about being independently codependent, right? Where it's like, I think you do need both. And I think, um, at least for me, I need both. I need to feel like I'm a strong woman, that I don't need you to get me up off the floor. Um, But I do like it when I can depend on you. So um, that was a big thing. And then also just to 
go down this rabbit hole. Another story is when um, we there was a situation at Quest where I really, really needed you and you had to travel. And I was going through probably one of the hardest emotional moments of my life. I think it's safe to say. And I turned around to you and I said, I really need you. And you said, and how often do I say that to you? And it's like, and I said, this is important. And for people listening, we've got our own language. So when we say the word important, we know it's like, you have to drop things. And you were like, I hear what you're saying, but it's important to me to go on this trip. So I think that's all prob- the only time, the only time yeah. in our entire 18 years of being together, 16 years of marriage, we've both used the word important over a yeah. situation. And you said, if I, I have to be the man that I promised myself I would be, and I have to go on this trip. And so it's important to me to be that and I'm thinking oh shit what do we do um and I just reminded myself okay even though Lita it is important to you to ask him to be somebody he's not like that is way above and beyond to me something that I need in that moment and I was like how would I feel if you asked me to fundamentally change who I am as a human being and those are one of those moments that I could have let that decision fester and I could have let that be something that would have come out in an argument one day. And I just, and I remember thinking that, like, this is one of those moments where you have to deal with it right now. Because if you don't deal with it right now, tomorrow, in a year, in three years, in five years, you're going to still hold that against him and you may not realize it. So whatever decision you make right now, you have to let go. Like, if you're, if you put your foot down and say, this is a deal breaker for me, babe, then you need to say that to him right here, right now. But if it's not a deal breaker and I get why you're responding the way you are, and I can actually understand it from your perspective, then I have to just take a deep breath and say, all right, then you go, I will deal with this by myself and remind myself that I can deal with it, right? Is that um, I am strong enough to deal with things on my own. So that was a reminder for myself to A, remind myself of what I can do um, personally. And then I think that was a great example of where me and you really did come to a crossroads and... Um, and the funny thing is now when I've uh, told the story and I think I've told it before, like I have no hard feelings whatsoever because I, in that moment, I'm just going to beat this over the head for a second. Mm. In that moment, I recognize how powerful that could be if it's thus settling. So you, I've got to let go of it. And I think a lot, hopefully a lot of people listening have gone through those moments where they're like, you know, they recognize the, the severity of this and don't just brush it aside. Well, oh, fine. It doesn't matter. Like you actually have to address it and deal with it and then literally drop it. So you guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at ButcherBox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off 
offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. Um, all right, on to the next question. Oh, this is from Simland. Simland. Oh, um, Technically Seamland. Seamland, sorry. How do you explain to an emotional partner that the brain chemistry tends to override their feelings and decision-making? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, babe. <laughs> um, is it, was that the whole question? That was. So you want to talk about one of the most delicate things in the known universe? It's this. It's telling somebody, hey, you um, get to a place where you're not being yourself anymore. And that it, you have to earn the credibility. So the reality is the words that you would use, the how of it, is kind of like the old um, joke about, um, oh, God, the sting, where he was supposedly into sex for eight hours. And everyone's like, oh, my God, sting has tantric sex for eight hours, oh, which he didn't. Yeah. What he said was sex starts, like, if you have sex for 30 minutes, it started, you know, eight hours before that. So people were like, he has sex for eight hours. What he was saying is it starts with kindnesses and doing things mm -hmm. that your spouse cares about and to get them to a place emotionally where you can have great sex. And I thought that's actually a really awesome answer. And it, it made me laugh that people like didn't hear what he was saying. And that's the same thing here. Like you've got to build that credibility in long before you need it. Mm. So that when you go to say to them, hey, look, you're not being yourself anymore. And we're officially now at the part where your emotions are getting the best of you. So when this happens with you, what I do is in my head, I go, I think she's being emotional now. And I don't think she's being herself. And I'm not going to say a damn thing about it. And I'm going to let her go. Now we're at abuse of point number two. Now, like, I'm not even wondering anymore. You're being so unlike yourself. I won't say good or bad. I'll just say unlike yourself. This is not normally how you would react to this situation. Then we get to the point where, like, you're, so this is the third step. Your emotions now are so out of hand that you're, not only acting uncharacteristically, but now it's just, and I'll use the word crazy, but I mean like it's at an amplitude that doesn't make sense. Unbalanced. Unbalanced, like what all of the words are going to be You can offensive. use crazy with me because right, I know saying. how like, that's this, how you talk. This is but... something where 
you won't be I have the credibility with you right. where I can use that word and you know that I'm not being insulting. Yes. Where I'm just saying like the amplitude, it doesn't make yes. sense. Yes. We're no longer making any sense. And I don't just mean logically. I mean the behavior is never going to get you what you want, right? So my whole thing about crazy and sense is like, is it going to get you towards your goal, yes or no? Mm-hmm. And the answer is three steps ago, you stop moving towards your goal. But the, the thing that I really, really want people to hear is if you say something the moment you feel it, you're screwed. Because many, many times at that point, you're actually wrong. And when they break it down, you're going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, I actually did totally misread that. Now I understand why the amplitude was off. So, like, at the first line, I think mm. it's really possible. I just don't understand why the amplitude is so high. Then at number two, I'm like, I I know now this is very just atypical for them. But, man, we all need a little bit of grace, Right. All of us at times, like the amplitude just does not match what's actually happening. I've done it a thousand times. We've all done it a thousand times. So in that moment, I want to just be graceful and be like, I'm going to process through this as if everything were completely normal, meaning your intensity emotionally matches what's happened. Even though we're now two clicks into like, hmm, this doesn't really make sense. It isn't until the third one where it's like, if there were a camera on you, you would be embarrassed. And if I play this back to you, in any emotional time, any emotionally sober moment, 1,000%, a thousand out of a thousand times, you're going to say, whoa, I can't believe you didn't say anything back here. Once I know I'm there, then I'll say, hey, in a very calm, non-threatening, not finger pointing, not aggressive, like, hey, I fully can see that this is big to you. This is really important. I do feel like, though, that the amplitude does not match what's actually happening. So is it possible that you're either hormonal or that you're really upset about something else? And I begin to inquire, like, in the most, like, defenseless, like, hey, my guard is really down here. Like, I really want to know. I really want to help. Because any misstep, even though you know that if this were being filmed, this person would be embarrassed by themselves, of themselves, like... That's not the time to hurl insults or to take a like emotionally or morally superior high ground. None of that. It's like, look, we all get to that place. And if you really want good things for the person, that's another thing I think. I really want good things for her. Mm-hmm. Like I want to help back her out of this. And that's how you do it. But if you don't have the credibility going into that of the person knowing, they never bring this up. Until I'm three clicks in. Because if you were like, you always do that. Like, you bring this up and, like, it's so offensive. Then I'm dead in the water. But if you're like, wait a second. He never throws this in my face. I've never once thought, hey, he pulled that card way too early. Mm. So now I know, even though it doesn't feel true. Because the reason you've escalated is because it feels real. And that's the thing about about being in a hormonal state or being in a state of agitation based on stresses or something else going in your life, that the neurochemistry for you matches exactly the amplitude, right? It's never off. That's why you're reacting that way. So in the moment, it's not going to feel real. So the person has to have earned all that credibility. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, you're you're being so offensive, quite frankly. Mm. With That's actually very true. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. in the opposite, I'm not very good yet at, um, I kind of like just wait until after the situation has died down. I'd be like, 
yeah, I'm not sure, like, you said this to me and it came across like this. So I'm not sure if you were going through something or if you were just frustrated, like if something's weighing on you at work. But that did come across a little, like, aggressive towards me and it didn't make me feel good. Like, I kind of, I don't often say things in the moment. And to be honest, you don't have that emotional, like, you get more snappy at me, I think, versus, like, you don't get emotional like I do. Yeah, I like to think of it as I get overly efficient. <laughs> is that what it is? It really, truly is, by the way. And that 99 times out of 100, when you're like, that came across aggressive, what I'm feeling internally is an absolute need, not saying it's justified. Mm. I'm just saying what's happening internally is in that moment, for whatever reason, I have a, an overwhelming need for efficiency. Yeah. And that's how I get when I'm frustrated. Yeah. I can't have anything extraneous. But the thing is, is that you don't get like that with the rest of the team, which is why there's certain things, because I'm your wife, are you letting that spill over a little? Well, we can derail down this path, which I'm super, I'm super interested yeah, let's in. Do I don't it. know if anybody else is. Um, it is because the going back to the initial question of orbiting around the other person and spending mm. 18 years together and... You're the only person that I expect to play my exact game, to play at my level, to be as committed as I am. Um, I don't think that about anybody else. And the reason is, and I actually don't know, I, I have never been emotionally satisfied that you understand the phrase I'm about to say, that what I'm really looking for from you is to not feel alone. And when someone at, on the team is doing something that I think is absurd, I don't like, I don't need a connection with them. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, I will be entirely strategic right now. And I'll default onto principles and I will handle things like by the book. And because I don't mind mm. like feeling like an adjudicator almost, where it's like, hey, we have rules at impact theory. We've all agreed. These are the principles. This is what we abide by. And so I don't mind totally distancing myself from you at this point and saying, hey, according to principles, this, that, or the other. I'm the CEO. Like at that moment, it's mm -hmm. like, well, I, it's a hierarchy and I'm dealing from a position of inherent separation from you. When it's your wife and this gets complicated mm. when your wife also happens to be a part of your work team and you're expecting her to, to give you that sense of like connection that I don't have to abide by a rule book, none of that, that I'm literally like, I, I want to be totally myself. I don't want to have to think strategically. I just want to like be raw and real and do everything to um, not have any kind of separation. And I'm realizing now part of the reason I've never gotten the emotional satisfaction that you really understand what I'm saying because I'm finding it really hard to capture this sense mm. of it's the same thing about lying that makes me feel separate. It's mm. why I don't want to lie to you because then I, dif I feel disconnected mm. from you because there's just something. There's, there's an element of friction in there. There's a little thing that I bump on that then isn't like doesn't draw me closer to you. So even if that's me having to be strategic about like denying the emotion that I'm feeling or not expressing it and like pretending, oh, I'm not feeling this and remodulating my face and like all of that, which I would do for somebody when we're working together because it's just like, I, it is unfair to ask of them for connection like that, A, and B, that's not the social contract that we have about being in an organization. So the, yeah, that, 
I, I won't keep using words, but I know that I'm not doing a great job. So for all those listening, forgive me for not being able to capture this. No, I actually understand it. And the one thing for me that I struggle with is I want to be that person that you can always feel like you're yeah, always you... connected. But at the same time, it does become frustrating for me because I'm like, I'm still your wife. So I was like, I don't want you to snap at me. Yeah, here's the thing. It's a fucking terrible strategy. Like the the thing that's bothering you in that moment yeah. is a deficiency in my personality or certainly a deficiency in my tactics of dealing with that feeling that I get, right. the need for absolute right. clarity, certainty, efficiency, like all of that that then points and, and becomes hard for anyone to deal with because it's so fucking robotic and what you read is aggressive. Yeah. Does it feel internally aggressive? Robotic. But I, 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 An I aggressive totally robot. Get it. Yeah, for sure. Like I know when I want clarity, everything about me is going to read aggressive. I so get it. Yeah. It just isn't aggression to me. It's like, I want to back you down. Right, right, That's not what I'm feeling. What I'm feeling is like, I need the fucking answer this very second. I don't want to pursue you. I don't want you to feel small. I don't want you to feel intimidated. Like all of that is, is exactly counter to what I want. Yeah, you don't make me feel I just want the fucking like clarity is it yes or no black or white this or that like right now no extraneous words oh for the love of god no more time (laughs) like but i know the way it makes me feel it's like every like i often talk to people i have diffuse focus and i have laser focus when someone triggers that in me i i could be diffuse i fucking snap into like everything i have is focused on that person Mm. and so it reads I, I have seen the reaction enough now to know that it reads aggressive, even though it's not what I'm feeling internally. Right. So, And that's actually something that we talk about a lot is how you're feeling when you're saying something versus how it's coming across. Because yeah. that's a massive thing. Because it's like, wow, I had no idea that that's so not what I meant. But the feeling that you give someone, whether you want it to be true or not, you have to... Um, um, you have to recognize that it is making them feel that way. So it's like that, right? Where you're looking at me and you're being blazing. It's like, it makes me feel like you just, you and being dismissive. Like, fine, yes, no. And it's like, I feel like you're dismissing me. But you're like, wow, I don't mean to at all. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation, and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. I only have two physical expressions, the way that my face is designed by nature, and it's anger and fury. Like those are the only two (laughs) things I don't understand. Like I will feel like sunshine and butterflies. And then I will look in the mirror and be like, whoa, I look so angry. What the fuck? It's just the way that my face looks. Like Mm -hmm. now that I do so many photographs for like Instagram and stuff, I will feel like I'm doing this like really like funny little smile. And then I look at the photo and I just look mad. 
I'm like, how is that possible? It's so disconnected from what I feel inside. It's really bothersome. Someone really used to take my photos and you're like, baby, you look mad. I'm like, wow, I'm so, I think I look sexy. Yeah. Like I'm trying to do like this, you know, oh, not to it. derail too much. Um, but the other thing that I want, so in fact, so let's keep going down uh, talking about this because the emotion of it. So the other way around, it's been, it's very different how I handle you versus how you handle me. And for me, the one thing that I felt really helped is, and we call it our sober moments, right? Where we're not in that emotional state. Right. So in the sober state, we actually emotionally talk. Emotionally sober. Emotionally sober, sober thank you. When we're in the emotionally sober state, we really do talk about, okay, well, how would you like me to handle it? Um, or also the one thing is you have to have someone that you completely trust, right? I completely trust that you want good things from me. You already said that. And that I want good things for you. And that you love me and that I love you. And one more. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt. No, please. But that we don't ever throw things at the other person. Right. The number of times I've given you a weapon of insecurity, vulnerability, whatever, that you could use against me to really hurt me. And you've never done it. Yeah. Never done it. You can't that's take how it you back. earn credibility though. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So doing all that. In our emotionally sober moments, um, we've kind of spoken about those steps and you've pointed out to me, well, babe, maybe you don't know, because it's kind of sometimes hard to see it in yourself. You'll even say, if you play with your hair, like I know that you're getting agitated. If you're, you know, you have a different type of walk or you start cleaning, like things like that, which you've noticed, I actually haven't even noticed, which has been amazing because now you've allowed me to recognize my own triggers. Because once I'm emotionally sober again from that moment, I'd be like, shit, how did I let myself get there? I recognize that he saw that. I recognize that I externalized that. I need to get better at that. How do I shorten that timeline? In talking together through it and figuring out what my, tri- not even triggers, what my um, signals are, um, has been really useful. Because the second I start cleaning, I'm like, oh shit, hang on, this is one of my signals. I don't feel agitated right now, but my signal that we have identified together is that I clean. Okay, well, why am I cleaning? What right now am I doing? Okay, so like literally a couple of days ago, we had the sh- uh, Women of Impact shoot. Woke up really early. First thing I did is came down to set and started rearranging things. But I recognized it in myself and I was like, all right, Lisa, you're rearranging the furniture. Why are you doing this? Okay, because you actually need time to take some deep breaths before you go into prep mode. And so I was like, actually, okay, this is actually being really useful for me right now. So I'm going to keep doing it. But things like that allowed me to stop figuring out like, okay, am I anxious right now? No. Okay, you're not feeling anxious. Great. That's fantastic. But we've had those discussions together. We've sat down and we've spoken about what those things look like and then how I can use them um to then really implement it but also the fact that you've earned the credibility so i know that you don't immediately say okay what's up something's wrong or you know you've waited a while so when you do say it i stop and this is actually one thing that i've worked on as well i don't just take your word for it i try to go okay he's saying it so you have to stop and think about it doesn't mean that he's right because maybe you're going through something right now maybe you're agitated and maybe something's going on with you and my emotion has now triggered you so i don't want to just go okay well he said it so it must be true but i need to take that seriously so i always then stop and go okay think about it what is he actually saying how is he feeling right now? What is he going through? He means, he, what he's saying he feels is true. So don't dismiss it. But do you agree with it? And then I break things down back based on all those signals. Have I done any of those signals that I know are true about me? Um, 
and then come to my own conclusion and then kind of go from there. But that's, I think, how we've stopped. Like, we ha- when was the last time we fought? I don't even remember. Like, we used to have, like, explosive fights. Mm. And we've even spoken about that. We'd go half a day where we'd just be pissed off with each other. And because we've done all these little things, we deal with disagreements in utter calm state. Mm. So, all right. Well, there you have it. All right. Would you rather segment? Would you rather? Would you rather have a partner with a low e? Q or a low IQ? Both would be horrible, but if they were truly extraordinary on the EQ, EQ a thousand times over. Yeah, agreed. Would you rather be unable to tap into your emotions or unable to tap into logic? Ooh. Well, so I give oh, you a Oh, for real, me, yeah. being able to tap into. Break it down. Being able to tap to what? Oh, I don't know. I pride myself on being so good at logistics. <laughs> Well, logic and logistics. Well, but you know what I mean. Like, there's logic behind. Related, since I think they come from the exact same line yeah. root. But it's that same type of. But if I couldn't tap into my emotions, I think my life has been better since I've been able to tap into my emotions more. So I'm going to go with that. So I will say that the only real answer here is emotions come first. So people that the emotional center of their brain is damaged and they no longer have emotions, they literally cannot make decisions. And I don't mean that like, oh, they sort of can't make, they can't make decisions. They can sit there and tell you logically, well, I really should have the salmon because it's healthier than the chicken nuggets and french fries. Um, you know, but the chicken and nuggets and french fries, I do prefer them from a taste perspective, but they, they can't ever, they will stand there debating until they die. It's crazy. It's been well-documented. That's been wow. it. So yeah, access to your emotions on that one. All right, emotions. Would you rather have a partner who always makes emotional decisions or always makes rational decisions? Oh, I have to say rational. Yeah, I have to say, even though what I just said, like somebody that's just going full tilt on emotions, I, that would be a the, Oh, God, that would be a disaster. That would be nightmarish. That's actually a really good one. I like that. All right. And um, so next question is from Sean H. Odlum. Do you think agreeing to disagree at times can work in a relationship on mutually strong-willed people? Well, so we have a lot of experience in this. So in the beginning, some of our biggest fights were my absolute need to convince you of my way of thinking. And so finally realizing that it was very okay for you not to be convinced that we could agree to disagree, that you, um, yeah, that I, I'm not even sure what drove that. I can't recapture that need like to convince you. I, probably back when I still valued myself on being right, that it came from that place. But I never tried to convince you when I didn't actually believe it. Right. I did that at work a lot, but um, but I, that is almost certainly an insecurity driving something like that. I remember because I used to say, okay, let's just agree to disagree and you just wouldn't let it go. Yeah. It's like, why can't you just let this go? Like we've been arguing now for the last like two hours on it. Um, but also I think it does depend on what it is. Because I think if it's a fundamental belief, like let's say for instance, like even how you discipline your children like I don't think there's an agree to disagree because at some point it's going to come to yeah, a point where uh, right I mean we even had a little disagreement about Wookiee in the pool where yeah. my my thing is I want to teach her to not ju- I want to threaten her to you not jump sure, in yeah that she never goes in the pool right and my thing is teach her how to swim right but I'm saying right in. Right. I know, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> I need you to agree but 
but but I I was also saying it doesn't mean that you don't teach her to swim. You should teach her to swim because if she falls in, which she has fallen in, right. she needs to know how to swim. I just want her to be fearful up to going up to the rocks so that she has the sad opportunity to fall in. So I want her to be like, oh, I shouldn't come up this far. To the if. Oh, I understand. She, yeah. It. So anyway, but things like that, right? With Nat is like, I think the one little thing that we disagreed on with Wookie, but like if, if. But even on that, by the way, I just let it go. I was like, yep, I'm, she doesn't need to see things the way that I see things, even though the stakes on this particular one are very, very high. Right. But I thought, what am I really going to gain by trying to convince you to do it my way? Right. And look, even with this situation, the truth is if she fell in, like, imagine I was, like, all for teaching her to swim. Right. Yeah, great. Let's teach her how to swim. But please, let's tell her not to jump in. Like, I want to make sure that she knows she shouldn't. And so we teach her to swim. And then one day she falls in and, God forbid, something happened. Like, I don't want to hold on to, like, I told you we should have threatened her to not go to the edge. Because I would be thinking that. Which That's the exactly truth. exactly why I was like, okay, yeah. let's play this scenario out. Yeah. yeah. It- and that was the thing. Play it out and... That's the worst case scenario. And, right. you know, I, I wouldn't want to hold that against you. Of course, like, Jesus, yeah. that would be horrible. And I would never actually say I told you so. But I, could, I don't think I could help but think it. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. That's and all just we... for anybody listening, we don't let her jump in We the don't pool let her jump in the reason. pool, yeah. All right, you were going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, thank you for listening, guys. And um, if you're not following you at Tom Billu. On Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the above. Get over and do it. And if you're not following me, um, follow me at on Instagram. In fact, I'm pretty yeah. much only on Instagram at Lisa Billu. And also, guys, again, if you got any questions, um, please submit them to connect at impacttheory.com. And then also, if you're not subscribed, press that subscribe button and rate and review. That is the one ask. In fact, that's the three asks we have. Subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, and uh, if you're only going to do one, subscribe. That helps us reach more people, which at the end of the day is what we're all about, building this community so that we can reach more amazing people. And I'm just going to throw in one more. And if you're enjoying this, screenshot it and then put it in your IG story and tag wow. us. Wow, I got aggressive. <laughs> so like what's rule number one? Like don't ask too many ask things. like 10 let's, things. Yeah, let's throw out like Aww, eight more. Yeah, let's throw it. Come on, guys. I believe in you. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much. Cheers. Yeah, already be sure to subscribe. Until next time, <laughs> be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.